Chapter 72 of The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter 72 Feudal Efforts to Arrest Dr. Juno, His Wedding Instead Although Nancy Clover promised that she would herself swear out a warrant for Dr. Juno's arrest, she found her game blocked, because she could not find a magistrate that would issue a warrant against the man who was wielding more influence than even Napoleon I. She at last went to the mayor of the city but although he was a sectarian bigot and lucre-worshipper, still he smelled a huge rat. Having been secretly informed that if he would take any steps against Juno, he might get his walking papers, like the editors and proprietors of the rascally orthodox newspapers, and he was not so ambitious to knuckle and prance around European aristocrats as was the bald-eagle manager of the Oracle, who was continually sought for communion and recognition amongst the European potentates for many years. Therefore his honour told his beloved sister Clover that circumstances had materially changed within a few years, and that he would have to have a large army of soldiers at his elbow before he would dare to comply with her request to issue such a warrant. This from the honourable mayor was an awful knockdown argument, and a damper upon the high spirits of sister Nancy Clover. She therefore soliloquized, "'Great Lord!' no one dare to grant me law. I cannot get a warrant, even the mayor refuses, on account of the powerful influence that this impudent Dr. Juno, Reverend Dr. Juno, M.D., D.D., bah! This is most disgusting and revolting to my womanly nature. And there remains but one thing for me to do, to clear the track, and thereby remove this great obstacle that blocks the game of the elect, and that is, to shoot him through the heart and send him to his long account. I shall to work and revive the practice of shooting. And, I understand, Miss Lucinda Armington and this superb Reverend Dr. Juno are to be married next Thursday evening at General Washington Armington's residence. Yes, they are going to have a good time, having invited several hundred of all sorts of people, even common working people and poor trash are to commingle with the rich. Lord, oh Lord, what is this world coming to? Before I would permit my servants and the dirty working people to come into my parlors on even a common occasion, much less a festive period like a wedding, I would die in despair. But then these lower classes are Juno's strength. Oh, how I long to continue in communion with the elect, yes, the elite and refined, where real piety and chaste civilization predominate over vulgar and obscene nature. Naturalists! Truly vulgar trash! But then these devils are making the rich even fall in love with their natural doctrines, and, in sooth, uncouth country-looking lasses and coarsely formed men are looked upon as the loveliest and best creatures. Oh, horror! This is poison to my refined and fastidious tastes and habits, no doubt at all, but that when Miss Armington and her crazy father, the once refined and beloved idol of my soul, were brought to their home by this great naturalist, 
Reverend Dr. Juno, they embraced those illiterate, low, rough Irish servants, Pat O'Connor and Judy McCrae, the deceitful Catholic devils. How I long to choke the whole set of them! I am fairly spoiling to serve the whole batch of them an irreparable injury, and if it cost me my life or worse. Next Thursday evening the brave lover of Miss Armington will die at my hands, before the minister shall say amen to the nuptial ceremony. Mark me, or I am none of God's elect." What a brave and useful woman this Nancy Clover would have made had she been engaged in a good cause! She had learned that Dr. Juno and Miss Armington were to be wedded, and that all of the members of the secret order of naturalists were invited guests, who were the people that Dr. Juno converted to his doctrines, and whom he taught to live together as one family, having a common interest, a common love, and a common treasury, out of which all would be sustained. Even Pat and Judy, who were formerly Roman Catholics, joined this reformed body of natural Christians, who believed in living a life, as nearly as possible, as Jesus did himself, and as he directed all should do, regardless of color, position, condition, or birth. All were God's children, in a general sense, and therefore all who were faithful to fixed injunctions had an equal right to have their real wants supplied. But those who voluntarily led infidel or unfaithful lives could not expect to be blessed with freedom on earth, nor obtain salvation. Instead of Dr. Juno being under arrest for riot and murder, he was at liberty to plan his varied work. He practiced healing of the sick and preached the genuine gospel, made all the arrangements for his marriage, and superintended the rapid equipment of the naturalists throughout the country, for the purpose of snatching the reins of government, of what is known as church and state, from those who have usurped every right of man, and even of beast. He was convinced that God gives his human species the power to hold dominion over everything, provided no false prophets and blind guides are allowed to mislead and hoodwink the confiding and sincere people. And he esteemed money, and its concomitant matters, as filthy lucre, as trash, as compared with that knowledge of God's fixed laws and wonderful works. In other words, what will it profit a man if he should gain all the wealth that money can buy, and thereby lose his own happiness, his own beautiful manhood, his own health of body and soul, and thereby claim a fame and name that would cause the Spirit of Christ to weep, the angels to mourn, and God to frown. End of chapter 72